there are two teams. The first team, Neil, you're the captain because obviously you've got a, yep. a two-minute responsibility. And on your team, you have Christopher Such and Jack Harker. Yeah, so that's nice. a, you guys can choose a name for your team if you want. Um, and then on the other team, you've got Shannon's the captain. Um, and with Morgs and Lloyd. So quite quite even teams. Um, and the rules aren't, it's not necessarily the answers I agree with, but just the ones that take my fancy. So in round one, everybody will have a chance to answer, but the team captain will choose oh. the answer to submit. Oh, so oh, Shannon okay. and Neil, you will choose the answer that your team will submit. Okay. And so my first question is, you're made education minister. What's the first thing you do in office? We'll start with Shannon's team. So let's start with Lloyd. Okay, so I would probably uh, revamp completely the uh, year six writing uh, process, moderation process, because it's garbage. And we all know that the writing levels that have been assessed over the last several years in England, I would say it has a guess of being wildly inaccurate. Um, and we know we've all been there. Those children have gone up out of our care into secondary schools with these levels that we know in our heart of hearts probably weren't reflective of what the child was doing in year six. Um, so I, yeah, I would look down a, down a comparative judgment route um, because I think that it seems to be a far more uh, sensible way of looking at things in terms of best bets because like I think a lot of English a lot of English writing stuff is best bets because um, because the subjective nature of it but yeah that, that would be mine uh, Shannon will you go with oh is it my turn um this is an interesting question and I know that people in this zoom tweeted this question out a while ago so I went to look at what other people had said um, and no one helped. I think that I, uh, there were two things in my mind. One was either revamp Ofsted and look at the way that they do it in the Isle of Man, which is like a kind of self-evaluation. They then come in and kind of talk to you about your self-evaluation and decide whether or not your evaluation of yourself is accurate or not. Or just hire a bunch of teachers who can advise, which would be a delight, I'm sure. So one of one of those, can I give two answers? Yeah, you can give two no, answers, um, but you have to choose one to submit. So then I think we're over then to morgues. What would you do? Two words, pay rise. Um, no, I think I think I would go down rebound. yourself or. <laughs> generally um, initially me and then work towards other people <laughs> i think i would go down the route of revamping um initial teacher training and pgces because i know from seeing stuff on twitter that we've all discussed before their their stuff learning myths are still fairly prevalent like the learning pyramid and <clears throat> and things like that that. And I think if the situation new teachers are in at the moment, like people who are doing a PGC now, they're going to have such little experience in the classroom. So I think I would implement a sort of mentoring scheme over the sort of next year or so to make sure that those uh, recent graduates, those recent trainees are properly supported. 
Nice. nice. Some strong answers. And Knowledge. University definitely came up quite a lot. You know, I can't speak to the English university system because I didn't study there. But um, yeah, it was, it was quite a common feature in our interviews. Um, yeah, so Shannon, you've got now some time to think about which of those you'd like to submit. And then I'll hand over to Neil's team. Christopher, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, can do. Um, it's a tough one, obviously. Given that uh, Shannon's team has already talked about um, the, the idea of reforming Ofsted, perhaps towards a pass-fail system, and we've talked about initial teacher training, perhaps with non a non-grad route in and skills, proper skills tests coming back. Given that's already been taken, I'm going to go for the idea of a curriculum fund, um, specifically the idea that as soon as you arrive in office, I think this is politically quite achievable, you effectively buy... The, the curriculum products that every school across the country has created, or you give them the chance to tender for them, um, and then you buy them off them and make them freely available to all schools. You do that in enough bulk so that there isn't this kind of political machinations of why have you chosen this, why have you chosen that. But as soon as you've got kind of the curriculum products from maybe 50 to 100 or maybe even 150 odd schools freely available to all schools online, I think that can only improve the um, what school leaders have on offer to support the children that they try and uh, teach. So that I'd probably go for a curriculum fund, given the answers that have already been taken. Nice. What about yourself, Jack? Well, there's not a huge amount left is there um i probably go for um beyond making fountain pens um mandatory across all year groups i would um probably go for um setting about reforming cpd um the new model is required I, we just need more more of it and more quality more quantity more quality mm. um i think there's sort of like this cliff edge of cpd and some people get lucky, um, some people don't, and most you sort of have to do yourself. Um, and that's, 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 that's not a model, really. So that's my, my idea for your consideration, Neil. Thank you very much, it's appreciated. That just leaves you near the Neil. Yeah, well, I was gonna go with what Lloyd said and really kind of tinker with uh, year six writing. Um, so I'm going to go kind of to the opposite scale and look at um, the phonics screening check in year one. I don't think it's particularly uh, fit for purpose. So what I would probably do is I would extend that to a year and put it into year two. So it's all nonsense words. And also perhaps somewhat controversially, just because I don't think it gets enough, um, I think it's um, high status or priority in schools also, um, put in some sort of fluency check to make sure that children are hitting that 90 uh, accurate words per minute as recommended by the uh, DFE. At least I think it's 90 words per minute. I'm sure Chris is going to uh, come and correct me if that is wrong, but I'm pretty certain they stipulate in the curriculum that by, by the end of year two, it's, they should be getting 90 words correct per minute. So I think that's what I would do as a last minute, quick, got to change it because Lloyd's got my answer. <laughs> You looked out there, Lloyd. Um, so, team captains, you have yeah to decide which of those answers you'd like to submit for a chance of winning some points at the very early goings of this quiz. I love the idea of these two team captains having to 
choose the answer now and they're like well i know i think mine's the best but can i really pick it can i yeah the one i came up with over the space of 30 seconds is definitely better than what you guys thought about for an hour or so i've made notes on yeah yeah sorry i'll shut up now i'll leave you to it neil no pressure <laughs> the only reason i think chris would say that is because he's actually deeply upset didn't think about it himself oh interesting <laughs> Oh, that is, uh, that's nail on the head. He's <laughs> got you there. We've won this quiz, guys, don't worry. They're imploding, they're imploding. <laughs> Six minutes in and they've gone. So, so oh, it's all struggle. good. All good, all good. vote for Lloyd's idea because they're the same idea, so. Mate, I raised my Darjeeling to that, I tell you. <laughs> oh, Shannon. Go down smooth. Right, I am going to go with Lloyd's answer. Um, of revamping the writing assessment uh, because I think it's important to get things done on the ground and then we can do Morg's idea of the teacher training. Nice. So Lloyd first. And then Neil. I'm going to go for um, Jack's answer, I think, because if you get the CPD right, you get the quality, you get the quantity, then schools can pretty much ignore the phonics screening check as to where it comes in and they can just do the things that I say anyway off their own back and that'll be a far more accurate um idea of what reading looks like and also Hate at least school level so things that chris has said would i'm coming to chris saving the best till last <laughs> likewise what chris said if you have those teachers you have them given the time given the quality those things can be done and of course it would be a model where they would be freely shared Sending Neil pictures of like a horse's head in a bed, like right now, <laughs> over WhatsApp. I am worried for my life right now. <laughs> I'll protect you, it's fine. This, this puts me in a typical position because I don't like the moderation process. And yeah, in fact, I'd go so far as to say I really dislike it. Um, but equally, I do value CPD, especially guaranteed high quality CPD. So I think on this occasion, because everything else will flow from it, I think Neil's team get the points. I think Neil Armand chose the one that he knew you were going to pick, the one that you would like the most. This is a dirty game. That's, that's uncalled for. X, X. Fine, <laughs> I know how we're playing now. I'll get into No, I did say that wouldn't always be the case. Sometimes if, if, a, if an idea catches me off, like Chris's idea, if it had been submitted, because it was so left field and I'd never considered it before, then I definitely would have gone for that one. And um, so it, it, there's no, there's no way of guessing what's going on inside my head, you know, especially the longer <laughs> this, this interview goes on. And um, <laughs> Neil offered him a timeshare in San Francisco. That's why he's gone for it. <laughs> <laughs> the nuances of the quiz already, blimey. They're there. Deep. So that means you guys have 10 points so far and so the, the second question and i think it will, will keep the teams the same order and so you're given permission to remove one requirement from the national curriculum what do you cut and so we'll send it over to you lloyd oh this is i have thought about this and it's, it's quite difficult because it's probably more like you, you, you lean towards more like what you add rather than take away, right? It's like Dylan Williams says, that you've got to take something away before you, you add something. So it's just trying to find out like what to take away. 
Oh man, I don't. I guess like thing is, I it, you know it would be it would be a weak source answer in a sense that like uh, phonics wise, in terms of taking taking that away and having more regular check ins through the the whole of the process, I think would be better. Like fluency check ins, so taking away one, taking away the one like accountability and and kind of lowering the lowering stakes on it a bit and spreading that fluency checkout across the whole of phases i you know it, i don't know how that would be in practice whether you know you, you've got to have some accountability on it because obviously you, you we, we all know what what it will get like if you know if left to own devices and then too much too much pressure come, coming on it but if you had some way of checking the fluency all the way through just that little measure of accountability all the way through for that. I really help, I think it would help promote um, uh, phonics uh, further in, uh, further up into the school, which where it gets, is notoriously where it gets lost. And I'm sure Chris will agree and Neil will agree with that. It, that's where it starts to fall off and become this thing which, uh, well, we've done that. So like, well, we don't, you know, we, we did phonics back, they, they just can't spell. Okay, so you know, it, so for me, that that's why I would take out. I'd probably take that away, and and then I would take out and spread out, spread out. Does that makes makes any sense? Yeah, that's probably where I would go. No, I, I didn't think anyone would suggest taking phonics out of the national curriculum <laughs> in this call. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> not that I'm taking phonics out of the national curriculum. I'm just taking away the, the checkout in in that in that format, sort of rephrase that, in that format and kind of spread it and, and thinned it a bit and just, just kind of made it a bit more continuous rather than one check in you know, early on and then. But just to be clear, Lloyd, you stole my first answer and then you took my answer, the last one that yeah, I gave and applied it to the context of <laughs> Really much, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, Three hours ago, Lloyd wasn't really sure what was happening during this quiz. So. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I, you know, yeah, I, I don't know what day of the week it is. So, yeah, to be fair. <laughs> it was wonderful. I'm surprised they didn't come out with that in my head, to be, to be honest. Well so. done. Cool. Morgs, what would you take out? Um, th this is heavily based on my own experience in year six, but I think I'd probably take out evolution from... Um, uh, the year six science statement I, and when i say take it out i mean take it out of primary i still think obviously key it should be learned but i think i would move it into secondary only because i think the 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 depth in which it should be understood just can't be taught to 10 and 11 year olds um i think they really struggle with the idea of variation over time and i think looking at stuff like comparative embryology and comparative anatomy and all that sort of stuff, which I which I think is probably too deep and the average year six teacher won't go into, but I think that's the sort of thing I'd like to look at and I don't think is appropriate um, for year for what well, for year six children. And then I think you would like if you put it into secondary, you could look at stuff like eugenics. Um, you can look at it from an economics point of view. I mean Chris even taught me about this about is it Malthus? Chris will have to um, correct me if I'm wrong, about like the competition resources and where Darwin Darwin's theory came from. So all the stuff before it, Lamarck and all those things. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions, perhaps more than any other 
topic that's taught. Um, when, when you talk about um, like chimpanzees and bonobos being ge genetically similar or their DNA being 90 plus percent similar to ours, um, that's something that just completely blows their mind. And they think, a common one is they think we descend from monkeys. Um, I mean, there's, I've come up with loads of misconceptions over time, like humans are the most evolved species or like we're perfect organisms. Um, that natural selection is, is the only way that evolution happens. I mean, there's loads and loads and loads. So I think, yeah, I would get rid of evolution from primary and, and move it into secondary. Strong answer. Shannon, does that leave you then on your team? It does. Um, I think I would get rid of DT from the primary curriculum. Ooh. Because... It doesn't get taught properly. It doesn't get taught well. Very little time is given to it. It's one of those add-ons that people do sort of like for an afternoon and that's it. There's no sort of like making a prototype, disassembling things, like seeing how things work, re-evaluating, trying again. There's none of that in most schools, I would say. Obviously, I'm sure there are some wonderful DT primary practitioners, but I just don't see it. And it's, it ends up being people making cereal box houses and then setting them alight in the playground and saying that's their DT and it's not so I would just get rid of it in primary and leave it to the experts in secondary yeah it's just dawned on me that this could alienate quite a lot of people if we're going through all the things that we take out um... like, you're bad at this. <laughs> so we'll, we'll need to see how this works <laughs> oh um, yeah some really good answers there um a lot of stuff to think about and then move over to neil's team should we start with christopher again do it we all laughed when um, lloyd said science as a possibility um i'd be tempted just to take physics out entirely because of the amount of misconceptions that particularly forces gravity oh. trying to get adults to understand terminal velocity is hard enough without trying to get year fives or yes uh, yeah year fives i think to grasp it um but I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go with something a little bit more pre precise. I'm not a fan of the idea of telling children or telling schools that um, they need to teach a specific or even in any way specifying that written methods need to be taught. I think if children have a, a method, any method that is efficient and effective of answering a calculation, I don't care what it is. And the idea of saying, oh, well, no, actually, we want you to have this, a, 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 we, we want you to have a columnar, sorry, columnar method of written multiplication or this particular method of division. Really not a fan of that. Um, that doesn't mean it shouldn't be taught in schools. I just don't think it's something that should be specified in the way it is. Um, um, and you can see the, how that plays out in the key stage two sats and the fact that as long as kids are pretty solid with written methods um, and can do them fairly quickly, they've got a very good chance of doing well in sats to the at the expense i think of things like um, mental methods so yeah specific written methods is something i would um almost certainly ditch and or at the very least reword that's it this is planned to his audience oh, what? <laughs> me I'd like, to, no. I'd like to change <laughs> no slimy that that you're i think you're implying that i'm competitive and that just doesn't that doesn't ring true no not at all <laughs> jack what would you take out uh, well going back to the dt um 
I was reading the, the it's a preamble bit on the um, national curriculum. It's 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 really quite interesting. So have a read of it if you, like the overall aim of the DT. Um, it, it's quite out there in a way. Um, but this, this my backup um, one was actually um, forces, um, like Chris's, um, in specifically really magnetism and electricity. Um, being lower key stage two based. Um, but the thing I would take out is from maths and is my most hated thing in the whole maths curriculum. And that's the analog clock. I would, I would just, just get rid of it. Double style, putting base 10 in a base 60 system. No, just take it out, take it out. Take Digital. it out or just move it further along at some other point. Um, he said take, take it out. out. Take it out. If you want to learn about it in it when you're like 26, 43, whatever. But, um, <laughs> this is from a man who refuses to have a digital clock. I, I, I hate them. But <laughs> I wouldn't, oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. How interesting. <laughs> to be fair, I do think it's one of those things that, um, Parents should teach at home. I'm with you 100 percent on that one. Oh, 100 percent, yeah. And money, just while we're there. Well, the th the thing about time is you can teach someone to read a clock pretty quickly if they basically come to you and go, "Oh, how does this work?" It's like mm -hmm. a it's like a three minute job and a bit of repetition. But if you've got a class of 30 in front of you and <laughs> 20 of them don't know how to tell the time, and 10 of them already know how to do it as easy as breathing oh, yeah. in and out, oh yeah, I end up honestly, I end up just I don't teach that to a whole class. I, I scrap it and then I teach it one-to-one -one through the year. That's oh, no. the only way I've ever really had proper success with it. Yeah, because I think there's some schemes that give a lot of time towards that particular skill. It's well, yeah, a lot of them... So I was, a lot of them that commenting on building what you're saying there was they have clocks quite early on in year two when... I mean, some children haven't even mastered their five times tables yet. And you think you well, exactly, yeah, they can't even count up to 60 and five, and they're asking them to tell time at five minute. Yeah. Yeah, pretty silly. Um, my one would be to perhaps somewhat controversial be to take out a lot of the curriculum statements from key stage one um, history. I think we narrow down. Um, far too much, far too quickly in, as to what the national curriculum actually wants um, Key Stage 1 to do. And from experience, a lot of the topics are just pretty much carried over from um, pre-2014 in the old QCA units. And I actually think at that point in time, so year one, year two, um, it should be breadth rather than depth. So I think pretty much through story, you could get through quite a substantial amount of world history um, which would give them such a better foundation when you want to go into the m things in more depth in key stage two. But even if you know you don't go into those particular ones in depth, at least they'll kind of have that vague sense of time or that vague idea of noticing um, and picking up perhaps some common um, aspects between whatever it is that you've decided to um, to teach. Nice. So some really really strong answers. Team captains, you've got the job of deciding. Mine's clearly a clanger here. Like he stood out like the sorest of thumbs. Like a thumb that has gone in under a car. 
That, that, was, that was the equivalent of my answer in that round. So I'm, I'm withdrawing it uh, respectfully. Ooh. Controversial, perhaps. It was never well, going to be picked, Neil. Don't pretend like it was a valid option. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Shannon, you went first last time. So, Neil, what would you like to submit as your answer? Just love how ballsy Jack was there. Just like, just get rid of analog clock. Loved it. Absolutely. But do you agree? I think so. I, I can definitely see. I think between that, the choice of getting rid of it, Lash kind of teaching it in the way that Chris said, where when they start to show a bit of uh, curiosity around it, you can start drip feeding it in one-to-one -one across the whole year, as opposed to oh. spending 10, 15 hours, whatever it is that certain schemes say you should spend on that. Absolutely. <laughs> what a great idea. Go for Jack. I think he is. Jack is to your team what a red card is to the Welsh team at the moment. Fair play. He is literally... Oh, just, don't mention that. Don't mention it. <laughs> are, we, are, you, are you Scottish descent, Jack? Ooh, yes, I am. Oh, sorry, it was a terrible comparison then. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise. Profusely. It's okay. His wife's French. She'll get you in the next bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shan. Um, I'm going to stick with my own because it has to happen at some point this evening where you pick your own answer. So I'm going to pick DT. Oh, this is tough. I'll tell you, if you had gone for Morgs, oh. I definitely would have taken that out because I think a lot of the sec of the the foundation curriculum could be taught in secondary. And, and evolution is something very close to my heart, something I really enjoy learning about. But I, I, I'm 100% with them in terms of the fact that actually it can be much better served. It was done in year eight, year nine, when kids are a bit older, a bit more mature, and possibly able to access stuff like early Dawkins. Um, so we've got, I, I do think that the time is a job for parents or whoever looks after children at home. So I have to give the points to Neil's team. So you guys have got 20 points now. If you went with my choice, it would be the end of the quiz. <laughs> I choose Lloyd. If, if you'd stuck with taking out science, you would you would have got it, Lloyd. <laughs> I stuck my guns, I know. Bold. Lloyd, you almost alerted to this in your in your last answer. And you're given permission to add one requirement to the national curriculum. What do you add? And this time we'll start with your team, Neil, to Ooh. give you a bit more thinking time. Are we happy with the order or Chris, do you want to go last? Are we, what are we? If you need a bit of thinking time, I've got one I can mention. I don't think it's particularly good, but yeah, if you're happy to go, then <clears throat> classic. Okay. Um, I think in terms of what we should add to the national curriculum, I think there are certain elements of what we teach and that we are experiences that we give to children that we really should mandate because of their importance um i think that every child in the country should like as, as a right assuming that they are if they're physically capable to do so should have the chance to visit a beach a major city and um go on like a countryside hike 
ideally to a national park um, or through a national park, I should say. I think those are things that it's lovely that lots of schools are looking at adding these kind of experiences, these enriching things to their curriculum. I think they're important enough that we say that's that's just a right. That's just what children yeah. get as part of going through our education system. Um, yeah, so that would be my one. It's like a mic drop moment, isn't it? Is there any point in the rest of us giving an answer? <laughs> of cultural capital, of course. Yeah. <laughs> if cultural capital wasn't the new framework, that kind of stuff, not important. <laughs> so, I, Neil, I've got a whole new subject for you. I've got <laughs> logic, logic as a subject. Logic as a subject. So, I think, well, it's something that glues every foundation subject every core subject together is logic and um we need to know what's sound what's unsound what's cogent what's uncogent and we should formally teach logic like they did in medieval times um i guess i guess it's a bit martin robinson um but that that's my suggestion to you <laughs> love it and now yours? Yeah, follow that, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were both wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> they already be. Uh, less of an add-on, but more of a kind of promotion. Again, kind of looking at history and um, looking at, I know in there's one particular history objective in the national curriculum that gives you a choice of studying a civilization in contrast to European. And I think like the golden age of Baghdad is one of those particular civilizations that does kind of get offered up. But because I think teacher subject knowledge around that isn't particularly strong, um, that's obviously massive sweeping generalization. So apologies if to anyone whose knowledge of Baghdad and the golden age is particularly on point. But I think actually having done some reading around that myself, such a fascinating topic. Um, loads of things you know the impact that people like uh Harun al-Rashid and um al-Mansur had in kind of like you know the seven sixth seventh centuries kind of like massive when you look at what they've done compared to what was then it's a nice contrast to the Vikings <laughs> the Vikings and that kind of era where um the quote unquote you know going into the dark ages after that Roman period <laughs> Standards started to decline so yeah and I think it's a really nice contrast and given the way that um, the world is right now in the 20, uh, 21st century I think it's uh, it'd be a very useful topic to make compulsory at primary school nice. yeah and it, it beautifully joins up that kind of enlightenment sorry that it beautifully joins up kind of enlightenment thinking that we hopefully put across in our curriculum and the um, ancient Greece bit that also has to be there without that kind of transmission that goes on through the through the golden age golden age of islam and none of that really works so yeah sorry sorry to butt in i just oh, go ahead. I, I, if you choose anything but that now neil as our answer I, i'll be a little bit disappointed oh yeah i i completely agree as well i i i just think it's so important that that whole period from the 8th century through to the 14th century and it's sort of i i'm a specialist in um renaissance archaeology um well was a specialist and um the sort of the the philosophy from golden age of islam is just so 
so important to what happened afterwards in Europe. Um, and it's such an under under studied topic to completely agree with you now. I think there's a consensus there, Kieran, of what my choice might be. Nice. Three, three very on brand um, and three answers that appeal to my sensibilities as well. So no, no, no pressure, Shannon. <laughs> Should we start with, start with Lloyd? Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to go, uh, we're going to add Latin. Strong. Um, because of its the roots in language and I'm going to flat out Nick Chris's work here. And <laughs> basically, <laughs> and, and basically the, the <laughs> annex he has at the back of his new book is going to be coming out is basically needs to be statutory in the national curriculum. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I thought he would have gone there, to be quite honest with you. So <laughs> um, I was just like sweating for three answers to see whether. I just think when you look at etymology and you're looking back, you know, and the importance of understanding, you know, the, the Latin roots, often the Latin roots of, of words, just opens the door to so much other understanding and the ability to assimilate, you know. So like for me, that, that you know, those elements being stat and added in, more firmly, I think would be would be key. Morgs. Oh, me. Morgs, who? What? Me? You're, you're the captain, Shannon, so I reckon let Morgs go and then you can round your team off. Understandable, very important. Um, I, I've gone down the route of, sort of there's always discussion about um, there's not enough diversity and representation of like black history and so on. Um, and so I was thinking along the lines of I mean, it'd be great to do civil rights, but again, to do civil rights justice, you have to do it in secondary because the sort of brutality of like the Birmingham protests and, and the Jim Crow laws and everything. So I was thinking more uh, bringing in the Windrush generation because it, it spans a long time. I mean, it started in like the 40s and then obviously in 2018, we had that scandal about people being deported and so on. But it ties really well to World War II. All of these people came over to help rebuild um, Britain, sort of this post-war immigration boom. Um, I think it links quite well to history in secondary school with uh, the British Empire and the Commonwealth and so on. But there's loads of great concepts there that are discussed in other topics like migration, um, empire, citizenship, government. Um, you can link it to British values with democracy and, and mutual respect. Um, I mean, you can also like you can think about what, what does it mean to be British? I think the Windrush generation embodies a lot of what, what it does mean to be British. Um, and and you can look at stuff like how they so these people, even though they came over and, and um, a lot of them had been involved in the RAF and the war and a lot of them were helping to rebuild the country and so on. A lot of them were treated poorly, like they were banned from certain shops, banned from certain churches. And I, I think in Upper Key Stage 2, that's something that children could learn and, and could understand it. Um, yeah, I, I think it'd be a good topic to add, uh, add in. Latin was also on my list, so I won't go with Latin, but I'm going to go with something else. It might seem a bit of a rogue choice, um, but I'm going to say British Sign Language. I don't know where, and I don't know how frequently or where to start it. I just think it would be a really good thing for people to learn and I think how powerful for our children to grow up and be able to communicate 
with other people, with every person. I just think it would be a wonderful thing to give them. Like I said, don't know when it would happen, but it's an idea. Three very strong answers. Can't say I expected most of them, if any of them. And so then team captains, you now have to think about which you're going to submit. Although, Neil, I think you've done that thinking already. Yeah. Yeah, Neil knows. Golden Age of Islam, there's consensus. It's such a hard decision. I'm going to go with Lloyd and Latin because as discussed in my recent appearance on the Thinking Deeply About Primary Education podcast, I shared my love of languages and it is the root of so much and teaching that etymology is very important. So I go Latin. Also, I have a Latin GCSE, so it would be rude not to. So that's a tough one. And some really great answers. In fact, I'd probably have most of that stuff, if not all, in the curriculum. There's no room. And you've got... There absolutely is not enough room. You've got a new love, um, the golden age of Islam, but an old love, languages, particularly the Romance languages. Which you love, you know. I can sense the importance of every day I try to learn Spanish. So I'm going to have to give the points to Shannon's team. Well done, guys. Excellent. So in, the, in this next round, Morg, you have... 60 seconds to explain the virtues of the bar model. Okay. And the other team can challenge on hesitation, deviation, and repetition. And so your 60 seconds start in three, two, one, go. Okay. So the beauty of the bar model is that it is one one representation that has such variety and it, it can be utilized in multiple different ways. It gets down to the deeper structure of a problem and it makes these complex problems a lot easier for children to understand. Um, it's not a method of calculation, but it's a way to help children figure out which calculation to use. Problems that have unknown quantities are very hard for children to, to understand, to visualize, and bar models are a way of, of helping children to do that. You can use them in key stage one and key stage two. Uh, expert teacher literature says that um, expert teachers have a depth of representation with their subject knowledge. So expert teachers would use bar models. A mastery approach demands uh, rep plenty of representation. So a bar model would be useful there. It's pivotal in a CPA approach. It bridges the gap between concrete and pictorial and pictorial and abstract. Um, it's versatile for ratio, fractions, missing number questions. Uh, it's great use of visual instruction with arrows, color. Uh, and it's a great opportunity to make mathematical language visual like the word difference is that it is that time well done, congratulations yeah i'm so glad i wrote down little notes <laughs> from the WhatsApp to go from there excellent so that's 20 points for your team works well done well earned and so neil you have 60 seconds and again shannon's team you can challenge on the same three points hesitation deviation and repetition 60 seconds to explain why dinosaurs should be a central piece of any curriculum. And your time starts in three, two, one, go. After uh, much deliberation, uh, Kieran, I've decided that um, I cannot possibly go through with this. It would be a disservice to all teachers and all curricula everywhere having to do this. <laughs> um, I refuse. I'm sorry. Points are out. I respect that, Neil. We must be tired by now. Oh, 
<laughs> so, on that bombshell, both teams have 20 points. <laughs> Never in the history of the Thinking Deeply podcast has anything like this happened. That must be a first. Concede, <laughs> conceding of points for the greater good. It, it came out of nowhere. You know, there was no, I had no idea that anyone was going to do that. So, this is totally shocked me to my core. Scandalous. <laughs> okay, so the penultimate round is word association. I'm going to give you a word, a term associated with education, and your job will be to give me the first thing that comes to mind. Now, each team has an elaborate or an elaborate card where they can challenge the person to explain what they think. And if they cannot explain then the other team automatically wins the points. Lloyd, we'll start with you. And my first word for word association is variation. Non-example. Finches. Theory. Evolution. Bianchi. Selection. That's a tough one. Neil, I'm going to give you the points for the most interesting answer. My second word is pedagogy. Content knowledge. Specific. I was going to go with content knowledge as well. <laughs> Lloyd! <laughs> it's fine, we're on the same team. Uh, leader. Constructivist. Oppressed. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, you get the points for specific. <laughs> oh, no. Right. Next word is curriculum. I am. Neil. Oh. <laughs> um, ceiling. Um, course. Decolonize. Box set. Lloyd, what do you say? Maya. He said Maya. I thought he said hi hats. I was like, I don't understand it. I don't understand. Thinking hats. Curriculum, like fine. Like where are we going to introduce that? Didn't you? That obviously Maya makes sense. So it's it's got to be box set and Neil's allegory. So well done, guys. Is that three in a row now? Yeah, so. I should have revised for this. Don't worry, there's plenty of time. You did. The next one is assessment. Properly. Pest. Purposeful. Formative. Systematic. Validity. Summative. More what was yours? Systematic. Yeah, let's go for that. Systematic, that gets the points. Next one, memory. Decay. Uh -huh. <laughs> Was that your answer? <laughs> Sorry, I, I forgot what you said. Do we need to continue? Like, I mean, <laughs> give him the points now. Just give him the points, for God's sake, let's move on. Which is so annoying because I had a funny answer, but now Jack's stolen my thunder. Don't worry, no, no one will ever know Jack gave that answer when I cut it out. So. 
Your beat. It was memory, Jack. Well, if, if that was your answer, we can move on. Home. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. I hate memory foam. I hate it. Um, so sweaty. I'm going to say forgetting. Cats. Residue. Oh, decay and residue. Oh, I'm going to go with decay. <laughs> Excellent. Some good answers. Okay. Next one. Number. Thoughts. Two. Sense. Arithmetic. Inverse. Beast. I do like Iron Maiden, but I'm going to go with number bots. I'm going to lie. It's all square again with four more words to go. Oof. And the next one is behavior. Warm strict. Um, uh, uh, saw. <laughs> um, policy. Consistency. Buggers. Management. <laughs> Morgs is consistency. Which team are you on? Mine! <laughs> Got a feeling that Buggers is going to be cut, cut from the episode. <laughs> It'll just make him going. <laughs> no, that'll get a Metal Gear solid. Um, <laughs> or some sort, so of, some sort of thing that says, uh, you know, getting the Buggers to behave. Yeah. Um, so Shannon Morgan, you're on Team B, aren't you? Right, okay. Um, so then our next one is retention. Teacher gap. Retrieval. Well, I can think of as teacher retention. Um, Ebbinghaus. Brid bridging. What? <laughs> That's my answer. That's not just a thing. <laughs> uh, um, Lloyd, teacher gap, because it's my favorite education book of all time. Well done, you. Well done, Lloyd. Um, second last one well being, yoga, mandatory. Lloyd beat me to it. I was going to say yoga inset. <laughs> Cake. Session. That's a tough one. Jack, you've got it with them. <laughs> Mandatory. <laughs> that is good. Oh, this team, eh? And last word association marking. Purple polishing pen. Verbal feedback stamp. Oh, that was going to be mine. Um, minimal. Triple marking. Gennaro Gattuso. <laughs> so I reckon Chris has got that for the most interesting answer. Um, <laughs> it would have been closely followed by an elaborate card on my own teammate here. <laughs> elaborate. 
Gattuso is a, uh, a, a, a an a Italian footballer who was particularly renowned for his ability to man mark players out of a game, including Cristiano Ronaldo in the Champions League final in uh, 2007-ish. I think I can't remember. Could be wrong. Could yeah. be wrong. I'm a big fan of the craft of the central midfielder. You know, I, through my love of Mikel Arteta, despite not being an Arsenal fan, and I completely understand what you're talking about. Excellent. So after that round, it is all square. Both teams have 50 points. And the last round, I'm going to start it with a fronted adverbial. If I could start again, I would dot, dot, dot. So, Lloyd, if you could start again, what would you do? If I could start again, I would go into music. I'd pursue a career as a professional musician. I would fail. I would then end up in financially a terrible situation. But I would be, but I would be uh, miserable. So it'd be okay. <gasps> Next. Strong answer. Strong answer. Realistic. Jack, what about you? If you could start a game, what would you do? I, I think I'd worry less. Worry less about career. Worry less about other people. Um, it just took too long to stop worrying, really. Um, that's about it. Yeah, I get you. Shannon? I think if I could start again, I would probably just read more, spend more time reading of everything, not just books about teaching, but all the classics. Nice. Morgs? I mean, I, I was also thinking about it from like, I thought you meant like start of your teaching career. So I, I thought, yeah, read more. I think I'd um, specialise in something from from an earlier date because I think career progression wise, that's quite useful. Um, work smart, not hard. Switch off a bit. But then if we're talking about starting all over again, I think I'd want to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Be interesting. Someone playing elaborate card. <laughs> Elaborate, please. <laughs> which one? Why? Which one? Yeah. Um, well, it's got to be the one. I can't remember which one it is, but he's always eating pizza. Michelangelo. It's got to be Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got to be. I can't believe you've stolen my answer, Morgs. Oh, they all eat pizza. I like you know, one, of them, yeah. one of them really likes pizza, doesn't he? He's yeah, always like yeah. Michelangelo's chill. Yeah. Raphael loves pizza. Oh, they all love pizza. I like Raphael. They're not fools. Neil, if you could start again, what would you do? I might have read that copy of Teach Like a Champion 2.0 that Arc Arc Academy, not Art Academy, the Arc Academy. You didn't work at an art school? I did not, contrary to the myth that is being uh, circulated along some, uh, some channels, I did not work as a life model in an art school. I actually started my your uh, turtleneck. I'm just about to say the the turtleneck is incredibly misleading. Mm. Yes, that's with a San Francisco background and a turtleneck. And a turtleneck (laughs) (laughs) streaming straight from the gallery. (laughs) (laughs) But I might have actually read that copy of Teach Like a Champion 2.0 that Arc. 
gave us in 2013 and I might have gotten to where I am a couple of years earlier than where I right this moment right now and then Chris if you could start again uh, if I could start again I would need to radically reevaluate my understanding of the concept of causation no so, I'm only kidding no um, honestly <laughs> He came out of the room, though, in the um, correlation causation. It's, it's going to sound ridiculous, but um, and a bit soppy and pathetic because I think we all have these thoughts about, oh, if I could go back and if I could do X, Y, and Z, I, I would, I would do exactly. I would try my very best, like with taking notes and stuff, to literally try and retrace every step that I took, so that I would end up meeting my partner again. That's that's literally. Um, there's there's no no joke. Oh, that I, I would I would do that. I would I would go and work. I'd go and take a terrible job at a secondary school that I didn't want to go work at, so that I and then I'd try and say the same things and do the same things, so that um, yeah, so that she'd still be my wife. Well, that blows everyone else's answer. I <laughs> and I said I wanted to be a teenage mutant ninja turtle. <laughs> 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 yeah, that that is beautiful. But sadly for you, my heart is dark and cold inside. And of of the answers given, I think Jax is the strongest because, and we've had this conversation before. The universe is fourteen billion years old, and nothing really matters as much as we think it does. So I think uh, Bobby McFerrin was right. You know, don't worry, be happy. And on that bombshell, I want to thank each of you guys for being a guest on this first season of Thinking Deep with Home Education. Thank you very much to everyone who's listening. And until next time, thanks for listening.